From the Hype HQ studio in Chicago, Illinois, it's Startup Hype Man, the podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Raj Nation, and I am the founder of Startup Hype Man. Fast-growing startups work with me because they want to become better storytellers. Whether that's for customers, investors, or a packed audience, they know that story is their ticket to stand out, stand apart, and change the game. And this podcast here is where I talk with entrepreneurs and leaders in the startup ecosystem, ranging from scale stage to early stage, as they share specific strategies that they have executed to stand out across three specific areas, sales, marketing, and people. Before we begin today's episode, remember you can head to StartupHypeMan.com and subscribe to the newsletter that doesn't suck. You'll get new podcast episodes and timely reads written by me, but also helpful articles from around the web and a notice of upcoming pitch competitions. All right, let's dive in and hear how today's guest is changing the game. Ladies and gentlemen, making his way to the microphone from Auburn, Maine, and currently residing in Marblehead, Massachusetts. He is the CEO of Wicked Reports. Please welcome Scott DeGrossi! Man, I almost just uh, suplexed my laptop. I'm so wound up from that <laughs> intro. That's the best. <laughs> he is Scott DeGrossier. In addition to having the most complex spelled last name, he is the CEO of Wicked Reports. What is Wicked Reports? Well, put simply, they help you find the ROI of every marketing and advertising activity you are doing online as well as even offline activities. So that way you know where to scale your spend, where to kill your spend, and where to just chill on your spend. In only a few years' time, they've amassed 2,000-plus users. Their team's at 15 people. They've reached seven figures plus in annual recurring revenue, and they've, only, they've done that by bootstrapping it entirely. And after having had success, they raised a small half-million-dollar angel round. Scott, welcome to the show today. Thanks, Raj. You know, I was thinking... When you said scale, kill, and chill, that was part of our work together. And I had that nice <laughs> handy tagline on my homepage, marketing attribution for people who sell online. So thanks for those wise nuggets of, of messaging course. and positioning. Of course. And so for some background for everybody, um, Scott and I and Wicked Reports and I have worked together in the past on uh, their sales messaging, their positioning, uh, their demo calls, things like that. But Scott and I actually go way back before that. And we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, but let's kick off with the t main topic for today, uh, which I know is something that's fresh on your mind. And our topic is tripling lead flow with some website changes. And I just want you to give this high level, like how come this has been so important for you recently? So uh, when I always used to hear about, hey, you need to work on SEO, I would always think about it as go get some shady backlinks or do some two-year project that may have crumbs of success years in the future. And as a founder, you know, you're impatient about everything. You want everything yesterday. So I was, I was like, ah, website, uh, we'll just buy the leads. Who cares? And, <laughs> you know, uh, the mark, uh, marketing director at the time said, you know, the website's the most important thing. And, and in hindsight, she was right. Um, but the process of going about doing the website and getting the messaging super tight, um, I didn't realize it was going to have such a big impact. And so when COVID hit and I had also had had knee surgery the day that school canceled, I was going to be laid up and grant that I already had things to do, but I thought, you know what, I should just tackle this messaging because 
marketing attribution, we do it somewhat uniquely. No one's really conquered the field. We think we're ready to, but the website wasn't saying what it should. And I felt like if someone was really excited, they could come in. Cause when I was excited about uh, particular apps or platforms, I devour the website. And I was like, if people devour our website, that's, that's not, it's just not, they're going to have a ton of questions and then the demos have a ton of questions or the bounce rate was high. And I was just, and I knew it was unsatisfying experience. And so I went about some changes, which we'll get into. And it made a, it made a huge difference immediately. Huge. We're going to dive into that a whole lot deeper as this conversation unfolds. Before we do that, let's dial it back and learn about Scott DeGrossier, the man. So quick backstory for everybody. Scott and I have known each other for probably like seven or eight years now. And that's because I used to work with Scott's wife, Melissa, at a previous company. And now Melissa actually works for Wicked Reports, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, Melissa and I used to sit next to each other, uh, prank each other all the time. <laughs> um, to the extent that I came, and we got to know each other so well that I got to know that a sushi place in Chicago, when you guys lived in Chicago, uh, had specific roles named after your kids. I think it was Naniwa Sushi, and there was the Max <laughs> roll and the Lily roll uh, that made it under their menu. Yes, and the Melissa roll. And the, well, Melissa, what happened? And the Melissa roll. <laughs> well, we had, uh, you know, we call, and my wife has, very, you know, we be, sushi's her favorite food. She's got it minimum twice a week her whole life. And so she has very precise orders that she kind of just creates her own sushi when we call places. <laughs> and occasionally they'd, they'd make a mistake in the order and you know then I'd have to catch hell when I get back to the house. And I'd be like, you know what? I'm just having this guy like put it in his computer. I'm like, hey, if you put this in the computer, I can just rattle off the order quick. It's always going to be right. Then you don't have to remake it. I don't have to come back here and we're going to keep ordering because it's easier. And he did and uh, it was great. It's a great <laughs> solution for everyone. I mean, they knew they had like a 150 bucks a week in sushi orders guaranteed <laughs> like, just by putting imp- that in. We can make a computer button in for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's interesting that, that I, I didn't realize that that was the backstory to that because the interesting thing to me is that is yet another sort of like microcosm example in your life of identifying a instance or identifying an area where being more efficient and having the data at hand would ultimately <laughs> grow their business, which is what Wicked Reports does, right? It helps you have the right data at hand so you can grow your business. That's a great point. And to me, I feel like uh, you need to take ultimate, res- try to take responsibility for every situation in your life. There's some cases where you just got to throw up your hands and the responsibility is walk away. But in that case, I was like, this is the only place she really loves the sushi. <laughs> They're going to make money. I just laid it out for the guy and he was like, and, and, and if I have to walk back there and he has to remake it where everyone's unhappy, <laughs> let's just make everyone happy. Everybody wins, which isn't always the, the case. Uh, and to me, like working with marketing data and attribution, uh, you know, to kind of switch to that, for me, uh, I'm becoming more and more convinced that the approach we're taking is, Definitely the right way because I've like, uh, you know, dug into a lot of other solutions or poured over tons of like Google analytic data. Someone's posting on Facebook today, their Google ads reporting was showing 103% click rate, which isn't really possible. (laughs) That's Google. Uh, So trying to be a source of truth, you know, there's a lot of uh, challenge and uh, pressure and unique, you know, every industry has unique challenges. And in this one, we got to stick to our guns and what we know helps 
the businesses grow. Because otherwise, why are they going to pay us? Yeah, of course, of course. One other thing that I remember when, so seven, eight years ago when we first met, um, we actually met each other through the context of meditation. And it came because I remember one day at work, I was talking to Melissa about how I wanted to like start meditation. She was like, oh, my husband leads this meditation group like every Saturday or every other Saturday, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. You should go check it out. And so I did. And I think, I think that was the first time we met. Maybe we had met like over like a happy hour. Happy hour drink before that. So maybe that's what it was. But um, I'm curious to know. And it's funny because today you're wearing a meditation mind I know. shirt. I didn't plan that. I, my, <laughs> my, my daughter, one of my daughters usually wears this. I never really see it. <laughs> I just happen to go, oh, wow, I better wear it while I can. <laughs> so um, you've obviously been meditating. I mean, to me, not to everyone else, but you have been meditating for a long time in your life. How do you feel that helps you become a better business owner, if at all? I think it helps a ton. Um, daily, pretty much, I use a focus meditation, if not to mention any other ones. So I use a binaural beat brainwave meditation that helps your, it's like training wheels for your mind that helps you focus better by giving your brain uh, a sound to focus on and sync with so that you can focus better. And the easy way to test it out is just pick out a project that you've been neglecting but know you need to work on that you still don't feel in the mood to do and then put on the headset. And tr I use Brain.fm a lot and I have, a, I have an arsenal of ones I use. Uh, Brain.fm focus works really well for me though. And you'll just find that you can get locked in and make a lot of progress on mm -hmm. projects. So for me, I always think that on any technique anywhere, you need to actually get the results you want or doesn't matter what anyone else says. <laughs> and for meditation, there's so many different tools and techniques. But the other one is uh, becoming more present, which I mean, I still can daydream or, you know, be visualizing or off of my own world, you know, daydreaming like anyone else. But being present to what the core problem is and not like uh, keeping distance from it can force you to, you know, can force you to confront challenges and problems more quickly or more effectively. Uh, at least for me, that's what it's really helped with. Do you, if someone was going to get started with meditation, uh, and let's say they're running their own company, so they're busy as hell, uh, what advice do you have for how they could even just get started with maybe a couple minutes a day? Yeah, brain.fm is really good. And then the, the more involved approach that worked for me was the Monroe Institute has a lot of great things. So Monroe Institute has, is backed by literally 50 years of studying in science. That's why I like it. It's a science-based approach from a guy who really wasn't into woo-woo and like always was fighting the fact that he happened to be good with radio and woo-woo stuff, but he wanted nothing to do with it. And then finally he accepted it. So it was like a cool backstory. It wasn't yeah. like someone just trying to get you to get into their belief system. It was very like extreme the other way. Like we refuse to give you any dogma at all to the point where you kind of wish you had a little more guidance, but it's better for a, a skeptic too. Cause you're just like, you have to figure it out. There's just tools to help you get there. So yeah. I really appreciated that approach. Um, well, and while Monroe Institute has 50 years of science, meditation is thousands of years old. So I think those two things <laughs> together uh, probably, probably make the yeah. case for that this stuff works. I'm actually, uh, one other thing on this topic is that I'm, I, so I do a biweekly meditation session with a, a teacher that I work with specifically on Wicked Reports, how to grow it. So it's a complete, wow, ultra practical, like, um, 
ultra practical way to get proof in the, in the results or, or lack thereof or whatever it is. So rather than just saying, Oh, I'm going to go off and feel good about meditation. Nothing wrong with using it for that. But I'm literally like every two weeks I bring a business challenge that I have and work through it with like meditative practices. So that's been like fascinating and helpful. So. That's really cool. We're going to talk more about that off air because uh, mm-hmm. I'm very interested in that. Um, My goal is to is actually to pr- use that, and I have a whole log recorded, transcribed, and then write the book on how I used it to grow the company and eventually some glorious exit is from uh, <laughs> you know the the spiritual tactics that helped. I mean, it's still a lot of grind as well, but well, I hope to be the first person who reads that <laughs> book. Yes. <laughs> um, Let's talk about our main topic today, which is 3Xing your lead flow with website improvements. Um, uh, before we kind of, uh, I guess let's set the proper context for that. Um, we've talked a little bit about what Wicked Reports does thus far, but um, can you just take, this, take us through that journey of how this got started? And I would love if you even shared that portion of the story about when you were a kid at the racetracks. Yeah. Yeah, so how Wicked Reports got started to begin with yeah. was uh, a friend of mine, uh, GetMainLobster.com. I know him since I was eight, and he started a lobster website, and it, he got in with Groupon when Groupon used to be a thing. <laughs> I don't know if it's <laughs> around anymore. And he absolutely blew up overnight, thanks to Groupon. And then he decided to dabble in Facebook, and he spent four grand on Facebook ads, got 12,000 clicks, and only got one sale. This was 2014. And he's like, man, Facebook doesn't work for lobster. I go, why? He goes, I just lost my shirt. I lost 3,800 bucks. I'm not going to do any more Facebook. And I was like, I think that's a, I don't know if you want to go that extreme. I go, maybe some of those people are going to buy in the future. He's like, can you figure out how that's, how I can tell? And that led me down the path. And so what we decided to test at the time, I wasn't running campaigns, but I just say help them wire stuff up. I was like, that was when the New England teams were winning everything and we were getting all this backlash so we decided to say, hey, let's target people that don't live in New England, but like the Patriots or the Red Sox and give them an offer, uh, buy six lobster tails, get six free. And so he marked it up so that he was still going to make a you know, break even or make a little bit of money. And it was an opt-in page that just redirected him to the actual offer and emailed them like, I don't even know if it was a coupon. I think it was just a link to the secret page that had the deal. And uh, lo and behold, and so when he launches the campaign, uh, it doesn't uh, make money at first. Like he loses money. It's not like a bloodbath losing a hundred percent, but he's, uh, he's probably down like 60, 70%. He's nervous. I was like, the whole point is to test it out. I go, you got to spend for like a couple weeks and then we'll just sit on the leads. You email them, whatever. We'll see what happens. And three months in, he had made 10 to one and he was like mind blown. And it was all verifiable in the CRM and verifiable with his not pixels or Google analytics where you don't know the number for sure. You just got to trust it. It was all, I could point to the order. I could point to the lead and point to the ad and had it all mapped out. And this was all, this was just like pivot tables at this point. Pivot right? tables, yeah. pivot tables and like massive hoops I had to jump through. So I mentioned it to a guy at Infusionsoft I know, and he's like, oh my God, you got to present it to this mastermind advanced webinar I have. And like out of like 30 people I presented, I was moving to Marblehead at the time from Chicago. I think I closed three or four, I made sold like 30 grand in pivot tables. And I was just making up the prices. I didn't know how much it was going to cost. And I was like, geez, man, people love this stuff. <laughs> and it was fun. 
And so then the third customer. And this was in had, the midst of moving cross country. Moving, right? moving cross country, just closing deal. <laughs> just, just casually email, making like 30 more money. Consulting. Just, yeah, just casual. Like I was like, holy crap. But then the work to fulfill it, I had to build out all these tools. And then I was like, all these challenges came up right away of cross domain tracking, which people still don't really get. And how do you know it's a lead? And then how do you know it's a new lead? So all the questions in the first year that we all wired up and sold, uh, figured out are still like the ones people have. So it worked out kind of nice. And, uh, but then we got better and better at doing them. And so that's kind of how it kind of took off. But back to your racetrack question. I mean, I was the type of kid that I loved using data and grids and databases. I was doing databases at 11 for fun. I thought they were boring because it was so easy, which I'm not, you know, there's plenty of things I'm not talented at, but databases is like something I can, I could breathe them before I even, as soon as I read about a database technology, I just immediately understood it, could see how to use it. My mother be babbling about like something she was cooking. I'd like do a recipe database for her in like an hour. <laughs> like I just ran out of things to database when I was a kid. I was just like, oh, this is so easy. And then all of a sudden I was like, man, these are, people pay a lot for these database things, don't they? <laughs> so, and then with the racetrack, I used to um, spend hours scoring programs and punching them in and then trying to see if I could predict winners because it was just fun to try to see if I could predict with my systems. Mm-hmm. And my parents were probably worried it's going to be this like, I mean, I do still love to gamble, but my parents were worried it's like a degenerate gambler. <laughs> like we're down in Florida vacation and my parents were like, get outside, get to the beach. And I was like, I have three more dog track programs to score. Then I can go outside. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Just rip them away from me. Get out. <laughs> you know what? Actually, what we're going to do in this episode is uh, we're, I'm going to, I'm going to cut our audio here and I'm going to, insert the uh, that hype video I made for Wicked Reports a few years ago where I explain the Scott DeGrossier Wicked Reports backstory. So everybody listening, uh, ha- have a listen in. This, this was my artistic poetic retelling of Wicked Reports and Scott's backstory in building the company. I love that video. It's still on the website. I'm positive. It's on our story somewhere. Awesome. Listen into that right now, everybody. <laughs> Scott DeGrossier is the founder of Wicked Reports. At surface level, Wicked Reports is the marketing version of video game cheat codes to track the ROI of all your marketing spend. But when have you ever been told to just judge a book by its cover? You really want to know what Wicked Reports is about? Flashback all the way to when Scott was 10 years old and his dad snuck him into the horse tracks so he could bet a few dollars on the ponies. And Scott wasn't a gambling fiend, oh no. He had actually built out a series of data systems and he wanted to test if he was betting on the right horses. He spent his 8th grade summer vacation reading The Handicapper's Guide to Horse Track Racing so he could optimize those data systems and test them once again. Horse tracks turned into day trading. Day trading turned into building a global workflow tracking system at Motorola. Motorola turned into being the sole database administrator at Apartments.com. And Apartments.com turned into Wicked Reports. So when I tell you Wicked Reports is more than just what you think it is, when I tell you Wicked Reports is more than just a software as a service business, Wicked Reports is more than just an artificial intelligence driven platform, Wicked Reports is more than just another startup. What I'm telling you is Wicked Reports is the next evolution in a history of building and testing data systems. Wicked Reports is the mind of Scott DeGrossier manifested as a company. The great ones all have a great story. What's yours? 
All right, and we're back. Now that you have that poetic retelling of Scott and the Wicked Report's background and the horse track and how all of that led to where we are today, um, we're talking about websites specifically today and, and the changes that you've made uh, at wickedreports.com. Um, at a general sense, websites are obviously where a company is going to attract interest and generate leads. Um, can you paint a picture, especially because this is an audio medium for everyone listening, can you paint a picture of what the Wicked Reports website looked like before you made your changes? Yes. Before we made the changes, um, we had unleashed a uh, website, just released one that I wasn't happy with. And it was running slow and a bunch of the pages went missing, which I was like screaming about beforehand. I was like, make sure we don't have any drop off in the traffic. Keep all the URLs. Well, lo and behold, they were, something happened and we lost like 4,000 sessions a month. And I was like going to put my head through the wall. But it was, uh, it was a mix of some corporate speak and some uh, almost just like longer explanations of what we do and less like targeted and focused to specific verticals that we help the best and precise. It wasn't precise. It wasn't like exactly what are you going to get out of this? Exactly why should you care or not? So you can bounce if not and keep reading and be like, you should be like thrilled if it's solving your problems. And if not, you should be like, oh, what is this crap? I'm out of here. But it wasn't. It was like vague enough and too much about like growing your business or just too corporate which we're not at all. I mean, I come to you from my basement right now <laughs> without a shower. <laughs> uh, we had a big big cleaning going on in the morning with the kids. And I was like, you know what? I ain't showering too late. <laughs> well, somebody got a boat at two o'clock, which is kind of awesome. So I was like, you know what? I'll just go swimming. So, uh, you know, like, just like, the, that's like the BS that like my mom used to say as a kid, she's like, Oh yeah. If you swim today, you don't need to show. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was right. <laughs> I don't know. If she's right. That's what's happening though. <laughs> so yeah, it just didn't, and it didn't have enough of my voice in it. And so I had this whole vision and I started with just the menu of like, how should, what would the perfect menu be on our website? And it wasn't, the, and so that would flow like the out, and then that turned into an outline. And then I, I went back and did uh, messaging and positioning of like a 40 hour project at least with um, a process, obviously awesome, which was uh, specifically for SaaS like B2B. The, the name of the process was obviously awesome. Obviously awesome was a book by a lady about April Dunford. It was specifically for seven-figure SaaS that had these specific challenges and this elaborate process. And so normally you read a book, you get excited. I, you know, it's it's to follow through on the process. Then's the work. Well, I did it all, and I was slowly got more and more consumed. It was a massive project, and it was all the stuff that I used to look to other people to to get this, to figure this out. Like you're the marketing person. What should I say and do? You actually came up with some really good ones way back in the day. Scale, kill, chill. We still use in all our help doc framework. But really like if you're the intellectual, if you own the intellectual property and you invented, like I invented some of these things, I have to own how they need to be communicated to some extent, which I hadn't sure. taken full ownership of. So I do that. I work with a content firm that helps type it all out. I outline it out. We do a review process. We switch to HubSpot CMS so things run fast and it's all in our HubSpot ecosystem. And so that we have all these great analytics, we can trigger marketing based on page views, time on page. And when we were done, I was happy. And then there were specific metrics that showed that it worked. Being ses website sessions are way up, like double. The lead, the book calls were up triple. 
the sales are up double, the time on the bounce rates down to like 20 something percent when it always used to be like 60 or 70. And the time on page average is like three or four minutes, average procession, uh, not time on page, time on site or something like that. It's like three to four minutes. Always used to be like 50 seconds. So mm. everything's like three X and it was just, I mean, we did that effort then allowed all the marketing and my emails and the ads and everything to then have the right framework of how they should talk. It's like, use the website. <laughs> the <laughs> website's what we want to say. Yeah. That's, so, so then it's also cohesive. The, whatever emails and ads they're coming from or content, then the same type of voice and structure is in the website. So it's all a coherent message, which I mean, that's not messaging one-on-one probably, but we weren't doing it. You know, we had a mismatch of e- ads saying one thing, website another, emails a third, demo a different. So now it's like all aligned. The, um, the interesting thing you said there is like, there's a consistent voice essentially, right? Which is what I think a lot of companies have a big disconnect in because whoever, whatever team members are working on the website don't have any involvement in the sales and don't, and don't have any involvement in the, um, like the cold emails that are going out or maybe they do, but it's, it's, it's a light touch on it. And I think your advantage is you've played all of those roles throughout the lifetime of the company. So you are able to look at this from like, how do we connect all of this? And I remember even on, you know, I just updated the startup hype man site a few months ago. And I remember, and I I don't know if you found this was the same way with your old website, but like I would like actively try to steer people away from going to my website and instead just be like, Hey, like read this LinkedIn article I wrote, go here instead or go to my LinkedIn profile. You know? <laughs> oh, it was always like they had to get on a demo because even our online demo stinks. We're fixing it. It was good. And then it was bad. And then I used one that this three, I, I decided it had to be three minutes because I was presenting at Google on stage and they were doing a three minute pitch video in front of me getting on stage. And we're like, Oh, more people lopped in because it's only three minutes. And then I kind of <laughs> forgot that I was going to change it. And now it's been there for a year. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, so it was always like, got to talk to sales because then they'll have the fresh stuff. Uh, and so now like the fact that people are pre-educated, the calls are way better. Mm-hmm. Or the people getting on are already excited and already know like what we do and who we do it for. So there's not any of those wasted calls or less people getting on because they don't even know if it's for them. Yeah. And I think that that's a key, right? Is when you have that continuity, the lead is better prepared when they actually get on the phone. There is less education they need as a result. And it generally just creates a more qualified buyer, right? Instead of tons of time wasted on, oh, hey, we have all these leads and then one call and they're out, which I remember actually for more backstory for people, there was probably a six month maybe eight month stretch where I was doing some demos for wicked reports. Um, and I, I mean the number of calls where it was just like, this person's just like, this person's just a terrible lead, but it still takes like 30, 40 minutes of talking to them because you're trying to not be rude at the same time. And they don't necessarily know what they want or need. And you're, you're trying to have to figure that out for them only to find out they're not a fit. Oh yeah. I mean, people get, uh, it would be amazing. People would get on and want to talk about how to do better marketing. It's like, you don't need attribution software then. Attribution software is once you know how to sell already mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we yeah. can point out where it's working or not based on targeting and spend and ROI and lifetime value. 
Like if you don't even know how to sell your stuff, like don't, don't buy our software. <laughs> so I raised the price, you know, part of it was to just screen out because, you know, we, the, the uh, you know, we had, we used to have a $99 plan. Those leads were, I mean, those customers, I mean, some of them are still around, but it was tough, you know, mm -hmm. and it was going to scale up. Cause we just, I just used to think, oh, data will help everyone. And while it would, if you are willing to pay the right price for it, yeah. <laughs> like they yeah. can't support that size business and they, and they don't, we're doing them a disservice if they buy this software and they're not spending at least five grand a month, you know, attribution is not your problem until you can spend five grand a month without necessarily even knowing you should just be able to get lift because your mm -hmm. offer's good or, you know, other various yeah. reasons. Yeah. And I, I remember some of those demos, some of the conversations was people being like, yeah, so I'm thinking about getting into ad spend for the first time. And it's just like, <laughs> okay, this is, <laughs> this is not going to be your jam. <laughs> yeah. So now it's like, hey, we, we, we do a, we ask for the ad spend up front. If it's zero to three, we try to steer them away from getting on the phone Yeah, to be nice, really, not to be rude, but it's just like, hey, you, we don't think you should buy this yet. You're not yeah. even spending a hundred bucks a day. You got to spend a hundred bucks a day before you worry about attribution. So, so really it kind of sounds like the, the, there's a twofold benefit here to an improved website, which is you get the leads that are better qualified, but you also simultaneously weed out the people who it's not going to make sense for, or more or weed out more of those people who it's not going to make sense for. Yeah. Website plus pricing. Uh, we you know the base price is starts at 400 a month. So that's already like, you know, people looking to get in free trials for two months or, you know, pay 50 bucks or here there. It's like, just don't even waste your time. It's not for you. So it's, it's a advanced, you know, elite system. So we don't want to, we, it's just, again, it's if for both parties benefit mm -hmm. to have a higher price. I want to next go into some of like the tactical changes that were made. And you kind of gave that like high level, like positioning, but maybe we'll go into the sort of like the meat of it. But before we do that, I just want to take a quick aside here uh, and recognize our show's sponsor in sales hacker. So uh, if you're not aware, sales hacker is a community of 135,000 members plus dedicated to growing themselves as salespeople. And that doesn't just mean if you're like an SDR or a BDR or account executive, it means if you're the CEO like Scott, it means if you are the head of sales, even if you're on the marketing side, right? Sales Hacker is the place for you. They've got podcasts, articles, research, webinars, and more, all designed to help you become better at your job, plain and simple. And by the way, they just unveiled a whole new community feature on the website. So instead of passive engagement now, uh, you can actually create discussion questions within the website itself and have conversations with other sales hacker members. So for example, mo uh, pretty recently, someone posted, hey, what's the best way to get engagement on LinkedIn? And it kind of just works like a Reddit thread where people are chiming in and, you know, and I responded, I was like, well, here's my video of me doing the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. This works pretty well. Uh, so you'll get answers like, like that to other people saying, oh, I do a content drip and this is what works. And, that, and then that person walks away more knowledgeable for the experience. They're even doing ask me anythings with sales leaders uh, and, and high profile executives. And amidst all of that uh, content, co content contribution, there's even uh, specific summits throughout the year as well. Um, I participate in a lot of the stuff. I contribute a lot of content to Sales Hacker. 
I'm a huge fan of what they're doing, which is why I'm so glad that they are now a partner of Startup Hype Man, the podcast. You can get all of that good stuff, the podcast, the webinars, the ask me anything, the discussion questions, the research at saleshacker.com. And by the way, it doesn't cost any money to join, saleshacker.com. I also want to give a shout out to my friend Jason Bay at Blissful Prospecting because this summer he's hosting the Think Outside the Script virtual tour. What is Think Outside the Script? Well, think of like all those summer music festivals that aren't happening this year because of COVID-19. Blissful Prospecting has put together a summer sales festival. And so over the course of the summer into the early fall, Blissful Prospecting is hosting a series of let's call them headliners to midliners all the way to show openers where they're doing live interactive fireside chat conversations with sales leaders across the country and across the globe on specific outbound topics like personal branding, LinkedIn selling, cold call, cold email, mindset, productivity, and more with names like Morgan Ingram of Jay Barrows, Jay Barrows himself, Todd Capone, Leah Niederthal, Beck Holland, I'm part of this as well, and I'm excited to, um, to be joining the Think Outside the Script tour on August 20th, where my session will be how to not suck at storytelling in your prospecting. Two to three events are happening per week, so you're not flooded with like 80,000 pre-recorded webinars over the course of four days. It's two to three events a week, all happening at lunchtime, central time. All you have to do is go to tour.blissfulprospecting.com and sign up for as few or as many talks as you want. This is all also 100% free. Tour.blissfulprospecting.com. 40 plus speakers over 105 days-ish. So it's like if ESPN has 30 for 30, this is, this is the Blissful Prospecting 40 for 105. Uh, so check it out. Tour.blissfulprospecting.com and join the Think Outside the Script Summer Tour. Today, I'm with my friend Scott DeGrossier, the CEO of Wicked Reports, and we're talking about tripling lead flow with website updates. So Scott, um, you told us before how you went into, you, you read that book, Obviously Awesome, and then you did the hard part, which is reading a business book and then actually putting in the work of implementing what's in that book. Because I can't tell you how many books I read and I'm like, oh, this is really good. And then I'm like, but I'm not going to like do that. And you actually sat down and did it, which I think probably must have been, I don't know, 20, 30 plus hour exercise in total. Yes. Um, can you take us through now, like, again, this is an audio medium for everybody. So can you take us through like tangibly, like step by step, what did you start with and, and what was the change that you made? So I opened a Google Doc she had chapters. It was probably the magical number seven, seven steps, I think. First step was like list the alternatives to your product and why your solution is better. So I typed out Google Analytics. Why are they using it? What's the shortcoming and what's the benefit Wicked Reports does? And I banged out all of them. Then I went at the pixel tracking solutions or the ones that claim to be like us that really aren't. And dashboard tools. People be like, I'm, I'm deciding between you guys and Domo and I was like, or Supermetrics. And I'd be like, you should get both or we don't even solve the same problem. I got to make this clear on the website. So I went through and did that. And then you're like, okay, you've got all these features. Well, what are the, what's the real end? What's the problem they solve and what's the user benefit? So I do those. And then are there two to three themes of what there are, you know, because of course as a founder, 
every feature I think is the greatest, right? I got like 30 features. (laughs) Okay, well, pick three themes. And I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So like one of them, though, is optimize ad spend based on ROI and LTV. Like we have a ton of things that we help support that with. And then one was connect lead generation to high value customers. I was like, okay. And then one was source of truth based on reliable conversion data. We have a bunch of tools and features around that. So then it gives context. People say, oh, what? Oh, that sounds interesting if they're, if they're a good potential fit. And then you've tried to do it. Here's why it's failed. Here's why the other tools didn't help you. And here's what we did to alleviate that. So then I started feeling really good about things <laughs> once I'd done that process. And then, okay, then I was like, okay, I need to map this into my website menu that I think I want to have. Do I still want the same menu? What do I need to have? And then I outlined out, then I mapped which parts of that document went to which pages. And then I just handed it off to a content marketing firm and said, okay, here's the, here's this. uh, So that document ended up being 26 pages long. That's not trivial. (laughs) Right. Well, and then how do you take a 26 page document into a clean, simple, trimmed down website? So, okay. So then I create, I take another Google doc and I insert a table and on the left side is my menu. And on my right side, I cut and paste different either passages or I would do, uh, you know, bookmark a whole section and paste in the bookmark to the other Google Doc. And then I'd add in like old Wistia videos or podcast appearances or quick little demos so that for a given page, like let's say optimize ad spend based on lifetime value, something like everyone should be doing. <laughs> uh, all the different resources were in this like little grid area for the content firm to kind of discern. Then you take and you go and you do your personas, which you get, you try to find three, and then you look at which value themes of the features matter to them the most and what their specific problems are. So that's the who you help page is that. So when we said, who do we help the best e-commerce, here's all the reasons why. And then out of before our old website was just like, we can track marketing and show ROI. And like, so we got all kinds of, you know, lead riffraff. <laughs> and now it's like, if you're doing e-commerce and you're spending 5k plus a month and you have repeat purchases or subscriptions, this is why you want us. And the people love it and they come in and they're set up fast. All our integrations are dialed in for them. The setup's pretty quick, and then the weird, quirky things we can work on with them, but all the, uh, you know, the standard use cases are just banged out. So it helps support, too, and it helps success for the customer faster. So that particular process, the persona piece was another big one, and uh, was there one other piece? Oh, and so then the, the, the content firm would do an outline of what they heard and what they've understood. So this was a big learning, and this was from the spiritual practice of the business thing is that I'll explain something. I get really excited. People get it. I can get people excited. They go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe they just don't want to disappoint me. And then there's a step that I've assumed that they didn't catch or that I just dreamt up that I'm, I'm sure is going to happen that we didn't talk about. So with a content firm, it's like, we're going to give you an outline of what we're going to write about before we write it. And it was, so it was fantastic because then I could be like, oh my God, what about time to, you know, leads take time to buy. I'm still yeah. harping on that, Raj. We, used, we, had a, we had a really good part. When we did a piece together, we always nailed that piece. It was the, and it's still the content writers, like I'll assume because we've talked about it ad nauseum and still be like that page. Where's the leads uh-huh. take time to buy? <laughs> <laughs> 
leads take time and that was and that was part of that larger theme remember of the three new truths of e-commerce marketing which i think has worked pretty successfully in just being this like branded thing that you throw down on the table when it's like wait what are these three truths i'm supposed to know about (laughs) always and it's always like leads take time to buy is always like do your leads take time to buy we'll mine your data and tell you about it anyway so uh that was really uh, the, the step that I was missing. And that's what I've noticed with a lot of, uh, that was something that came up through the spiritual practice. It's always like, okay, here's the project. Let's agree on the steps because I don't want to micromanage you because I love knowing, okay, I've articulated a problem and someone's going to do it. But then if it's not done right, I get bent out of shape. So let's make sure that the steps are right and then I don't have to worry. So this went super smooth because of that. So. Mm-hmm. You know, side anecdote here on the leads take time to buy. Um, for those who know me and have seen me, which I think is a good portion of the listeners, but maybe some listeners have never actually like seen my face before. But uh, many people know that over the last, I don't know, three years, I grew out my hair. I had a man bun and I had super long hair like past my shoulders. Uh, and I was always I had my hair in a man bun. Well, at the start of 2020, I actually cut my hair and now I have short hair again. Uh, and over And since cutting my hair short... I realize that uh, I'm actually now distributing male pattern bald or displaying male pattern baldness, uh, which is like freaking me out that I'm going bald. And like, Scott, you're like 10 years older than me, nine years older than me. Actually, maybe more than that. Uh, 48. Okay. So you're 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 17 years older than me (laughs) and you have a much more luscious set of hair than I do. And so that, you know, I don't know if you probably don't get the ads targeted to you, or maybe you do because they don't actually know what your head looks like. Uh, but I keep I getting ads on like Instagram and Facebook for keeps, which is like a daily pill you take to grow your hair back. And these ads have been showing up in my feeds for like two months. And at first it was like, I'm laughing at it and I'm like, ha. Huh. And then every day I look in the mirror and I'm like, hmm, thinning out a little bit more here. <laughs> And then my girlfriend's like, man, your hair really is thinning out. So now there's like social validation. It's not just in my head. And I'm not kidding. I'm probably, that was like two months ago. I saw the first Keeps ad. I'm probably two days away from actually buying Keeps now. And, and that's your point, right? Leads take time to buy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and they just kept showing up in my feed. And I'm like, okay, maybe. And I, like, I bookmarked it once, but I'm like, I'll come back to it later. I don't, yeah, I don't think anything that's either expensive or a subscription or even anything that's more than like 50 bucks, unless it's clothing, people aren't normally going to just click and buy right away. You got to research mm-hmm. it. You got to think about it. Then maybe you want to see if they're going to give you a discount if you opt yeah. in and wait. <laughs> Abandon yeah. cart on purpose. Like everyone's getting savvy <laughs> with this stuff. So, and then, I mean, the lead, how you close a sale, they had to become aware and comfortable with your brand somewhere. So, I'm about to finally announce my patent. It's been like four years. I think, I've, I think I'm like a month or so away where we automatically detect what made a new lead because getting cold traffic to actually opt in on your email list is very challenging, but it's also a big point in the relationship with a hopeful future customer that, okay, I'm willing to like listen to all your garbage. <laughs> Here's my email address. Yeah. Or I, I'm interested enough to opt in, but maybe not buy. I mean, some people will for sure buy right, right away, but it's, it's not nearly as much as you think. So that's why we track that specific point. Some of the things that I notice on the new website is right up front, this is from the work you did. It just says like who this is for, right? Wicked reports, multi-channel attribution for marketers that sell online, colon, e-commerce, subscriptions, 
information and courses. So like right there, if you are not one of those three things, you should have the wherewithal to be like, it's probably not for me. I should probably move on to another site. Yeah. Uh, and the other things that I noticed as I scroll down the homepage are, and, and this is something I'm, I'm always a huge advocate of, so I love that you're doing it, is everything is written in the context of a result. And then it speaks to what is, like, how does Wicked Reports do it? So in, instead of saying we map attribution models to marketing campaign goals, what, it, what the headline of that section is, is optimize your ad spend and increase marketing ROI by scaling winners and cutting losers. And then the small text underneath that is how Wicked Reports does it. We map attribution models to marketing campaign goals so you can measure and act on impact on top, middle, and bottom funnel. And then the next section down. Instead of leading with, we detect new lead gen against your CRM and track lifetime sales across cart and subscription systems and billing systems, the lead bold message is connect lead generation to high value customers over time. And then the small subtext is we detect it by doing this thing. So you're, you're delivering the result and the promise first and then backfilling it with, and, and, and in the smaller text, backfilling it with here's how we actually do that. So you're hooking them with what they can get out of it instead of hooking them with, hey, we're awesome. Look at us because we do this thing. Yeah, feels good to hear you say that because, man, I mean, six years, <laughs> six years of crappy websites to finally get it right. So hopefully I'll say, <clears throat> I'll say someone on the learning curve, you know, pay it forward. So, we st- so now we've realized that our demo, like, uh, you know, the demo live one, but the, the, the online one, because some people don't want to talk to someone and we're pretty much make them. So that's the, that's the July is like to kind of, iterate on that using this philosophy and probably have you take a peek at it and see if we really succeeded uh, is to try to, you know, do the same approach where I'm thinking I'm going to have just like these buttons or something on the, almost like a Wistia playlist, but um, a little different where you can pick your goal, like, like the homepage and then we'll show just that stuff. And then you'll, you'll pick that goal and along the top, you'll pick what your vertical is out of the three that we like to help the most. Mm -hmm. And then from the vertical and the goal, you'll see a specific video about just that. I've wanted this for like, choose your own adventure demo, basically. I've wanted it for like three years. And then I went down the path, which a lot of founders do. You know, I don't know a lot. Some of them do that I see in my masterminds I'm in. Like you get all excited about looking at the tech. Oh, there's this new choose your adventure video tech or Imagine if I did, you know, I did that so many times. I get lost in the automations and wiring stuff up because it's fun. But really, it's more about the clear message that's way more important. Are you mm-hmm. talking in your customer's language so that they can, like, decide mm-hmm. it's for them? Is way more important than how fancy you deliver it. So, you know, that's a finally got in my head. That's more important yeah. <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, I always say when it comes to demo calls, the, the technology and how it works is like the last thing people actually, they, they, what they need to know is, can I get something out of this that's going to help me like with grow my business in some way or, or reduce spend or whatever that thing value might be. But like how the sausage is getting made is not what people want or need to see. And it only leads to questions that go in circles and get them either more confused or get, take them away further away from the, the actual point of buying. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, I mean, how do you track every click cross device if someone was on <laughs> Apple 7 and then they watched it and then they bought on their desktop? I go, if they just watched something on a device but then clicked on a different one, we can't read their mind and track it back to, to something on another device that has no actually registered action. <laughs> and I'm already like, oh, no, is this going to work out? You know, I mean, yeah. I don't do the demos anymore, but I used to get way into these like philosophical debates. Now it's just like, this is how we do it. If you don't like, if you want to track every single touch point and you think you can make heads or tails out of, if you have a hundred dollar product and we show you a hundred touch points and give each touch point a dollar value, you're not going to be able to make any actions on the data. You have to trust that our models are going to work because you use them and you make more ROI. And if you don't, then you shouldn't use us. And if they work, then you should keep using us rather than try to like, you know, convince them that I'm smart. <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. like, I don't care. Is it helping you make more money or not? And that's all I can do. One thing I would actually, uh, I would actually still add to the website, to the, the homepage is underneath your top banner where you've got that main header with the opt-in or with the, with the demo button uh, is put uh, some social proof of customer logos. Uh, that's the one thing I see missing from the, the front page right now. Um, because a lot of times people are like, they need to know the company's legitimate by seeing logos of other companies who may be similar to them. So that's something to consider. Uh, oh yeah. I thought we had <laughs> on there. Our uh, social proof was like, um, you've got, you got, got the integration icons halfway the down. Billions of dollars we've tracked and attributed and, you know, the social proof I have coming up, what would be your opinion on this? So we have three webinars that we co-hosted with Google at Google and they're recommending us. So that, that actually campaign launches next week with three weeks of webinars of Google saying, if you have these challenges, Wicked Reports is who we recommend. So I'm pretty pumped about that. I would, but, I would put underneath that main banner, like certified Google partner or whatever that uh, thing needs to, whatever that phrasing is, yeah. and then put... Maybe probably a, like a dozen or if they're small or like half dozen, if they're bigger of actual customer logos uh, mm -hmm. that people might recognize. Yeah. I just kind of missed that. We got <laughs> plenty of them. <laughs> well, and this is, here's another thing I think is, is important within the context of this conversation. Um, when I talk with my, my clients and generally speaking, when I talk with people and I'm talking to them about like messaging as a concept I'm like, we, we, you, you have to treat these kinds of things like your website, like software where you didn't just, you don't just like create wicked reports. And you're like done. We created it. No, no improvements needed, you know, moving forward. Cause we created it. Like there's a wick, there's like a two version 1.7 and a 1.9 and a 2.1. Right. Cause you make these incremental improvements based on a combination of time market feedback trends where the market is headed right and and messaging and like your website is the same way you don't create it and then never touch it again you create it you feel good about it but then you're also like oh okay well we should we can make this imp incremental improvement now uh even though we have the foundation down because we're tr we understand it's similar to software and that we have to always be looking at it not just wash our hands clean of it because we did it yep once. yeah i I mean, we're constantly iterating on it, um, constantly. Like the homepage got redone with, uh, with Google. We flew out there the week before. I had a busy March, man, between the website, knee surgery, and I flew out to Google right before COVID. And they were like, hey, 
do you still want to have it in person? We can do virtual. And I was like, no, 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 no. We're coming out. Three of us flew out. They flew in a guy from Russia even. And we were, the, and so everyone else bailed on this design sprint. And so we had Google's design UX experts to ourselves, and we redid the whole homepage, homepage of the, the platform. And it's like phenomenal. It, I couldn't be happier with it. It has this, all this cool visual stuff, but also concise info iterated on. And so now we have a process. So now we learned a, a great process for UX just now, six years in. So I'm like, oh man, we got to run this on everything. <laughs> so <laughs> April's our next one. Uh, April, August is the next one. We're going to run another process on some major area of our app because it was just so illuminating how to incorporate real-time feedback, how to pare down. It's similar to the website. How do you answer? What are you actually trying to answer? Because all of a sudden, your, your platform or your software, you just start throwing features in or, man, it'd be nice if this happened or founders get you know ideas and just do shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute, we spent the whole first like four hours of this, a guy who didn't even want to know anything about what we were doing. And he was really smart dude. He's a lawyer at Google, but he also runs these sprints. You know, the head guy for the first day, just hammering us on what are we going to do and what are we not going to do and what questions. And it was all these sticky notes and wait a minute, what's the theme of this page? Okay, you can't have that on there. And it was fascinating how we could guide basically the energy of all the excitement of what we wanted to do and kind of laser beam it in on what do we need to solve rather than great ideas of someday let's do this report. Mm -hmm. so it was really an eye opener of how Google runs design. So that's in our I have up. one more question here before we uh, begin our wrap up. Um, how long did it take to start seeing results when you made your website changes? And like, at what point were you like, okay, I think this is going to work. I think this is working. The website changes start, well, right away it was faster and I just didn't have, I had, I finally wasn't, uh, you know, directing people away from the website. That alone <laughs> just li lifted this mild background anxiety whenever I thought about it. Not like I'm running around anxious all the time, but I was just like, always like gritting my teeth about it. And it was just such a, bouncing my step for like a week. I was like, mm -hmm. oh my God, my website doesn't suck. <laughs> uh, that was the, the best metric for me. I was like, one last thing to permanently scratch off the list. Like I always knew my website would at least be like 90% what I wanted now. And it was in HubSpot. It was very, we got this beautiful template from uh, uh, Clean6 was the name of the template. Uh, Hub, maybe it's called HubSpot Hero. I think the guy's name is fantastic website spent a grand on the template alone and it was fantastic uh saved a lot of design time the measures uh let's see we went live with the website uh, i mean may was the best month we've ever had so less than and the website months. went live in april so yeah. the very oh, best so month we ever had but the 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 fruits of the website when i we started emailing out just individual pages in the post sales process in April before they were, were so in a panic to get it out. And we're so excited that we'd like email just the page out uh, ahead of time. So it was, it was immediate. I mean, I think we went out, yeah, so seven to 10, 40% more sessions the first month. And the, and the bounce rate uh, was down under 50% in the first month and a record for book sales calls in one month. 
So that was all, I mean, I mean, granted we're, you know, we're working like madmen on all areas of that, but sure. that was the one massive results. change, yeah. immediate. And then uh, just hearing from sales, my God, man, uh, people were coming in and just talking differently on the demos right away, mm-hmm. right away. They were like, I saw a couple people specifically said, I saw the homepage. I want to buy. I just have a few questions. We heard that three to four times and sales went up over a hundred percent in one month. Uh, I don't know if that'll hold the summer because, uh, you know, everyone in COVID, they're going to want to get out, hopefully wear masks or whatever they got to (laughs) do, but everyone's antsy to get out. We're getting out for a couple of weeks, which we never do (laughs) taking off. So, uh, I mean, so we'll see if people are that motivated to do a lot of business in, uh, you know, July, who knows? Sure. Huge benefit. And you didn't, to clarify, all of this was happening. You didn't make any like drastic change in your ad spend or, or things like that, right? We've lowered. Uh, oh, here's the other thing. So old website, old um, positioned messaging. A couple of months, we spent like 30, 40,000. Wow. And now this month, I think we spent 10. The last month was 10. We lowered it because we're getting better results with less ad spend that I'm then spending elsewhere. And plus, I always hated having a burn. And then when COVID hit, I got panicked and said, we better not have a burn. Where can we like keep expenses uh, in the, so I was like, okay, we shoot. We, I don't want to lower ad spend, but I got it down to 10. I think that was like February. We went down to 10 while we were just sick and uh, we're getting better results at 10. So now we're looking to scale that, but um, yes, we spent less and made more. I mean, that's the dream, right? It's the dream. (laughs) That's the dream. Can you scale Uh, that? Now is the question when you start spending double, will it result in double? I mean, our own software has proven that, uh, organic leads and word of mouth leads are still worth more or direct traffic and organic search are still doing better for us than paid. Even though we have sophisticated paid people helping run it, there's still, uh, still some work to be done there. Cause just cause we know how to track stuff, we got to learn how to like convert them. Even there's always room for improvement. <laughs> Converting more paid action now is what we're after. Um, <laughs> Paid action. That has an interesting connotation. <laughs> uh, let's begin on that. Let's begin our rant. Edit. Edit that. <laughs> where, where can our listeners find, uh, find you, learn more about Wicked Reports? Well, the, uh, we've been talking about the gorgeous new website, wickedreports.com. Yeah. The homepage and then the who we help. If, if that resonates with you, then you're a fit. And if not, then you're not, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, from there, you can opt in to see a three-minute demo that'll now be actually a choose-your-own-adventure by August first. And then, um, and then you can hop, you can book uh, a, a live Zoom with someone on my team if, if you like what you see. Um, we like to, you know, make sure you're a good fit because uh, attribution. We can set you up pretty fast if your integrations match ours, and if not, we can still help you if you're not on the list. We have an API. We can take zaps, all kinds of things custom conversions, all kinds of fancy stuff, but it just helps to, because then what the salesperson hears, they put into notes and send to the onboarding team so that they're already ready to, you know, speed up your onboarding, speed up your uh, attribution process. Mm-hmm. So, What, uh, excuse me, to, to do our wrap up then, um, we will each give our top one or two t- lessons or takeaways for the listeners based on today's discussion. I'll go first and then I'll toss it over to you. So the topic today was tripling lead flow with website updates. Um, I think to me, the biggest things uh, that I noticed out of this conversation was 
one, taking the time to like put in the work to actually do this and not just trying to like piecemeal it over time, which is what I think a lot of companies do. They just, they just try to almost like in perpetuity make these incremental tweaks without ever looking at like the foundation and which creates this like Frankenstein website. Whereas what you did was you actually said, okay, if we started over, what would it be? And there's still improvements to be made, but you did say, let's start over with this and think from scratch. Um, my other thing too, you know, we talked about in the beginning, but I just think it's really cool that you have been using meditation specifically as a vehicle to solve business challenges, which I, again, I want to learn more about that. And I hope more executives and entrepreneurs look at themselves, you know, as, as a yogi and a yoga instructor myself, as you know, like I'm big on this kind of stuff. Uh, and I hope more executives and entrepreneurs think down that path as well. Scott, top one or two lessons or takeaways for the listeners. Um, I was, uh, the leads take time to buy was good so that I uh, remember in the new updated demo to bring that back as one of the bullet points on the left for the choose your own adventure. I was <laughs> excited about that reminder because we still talk about it a lot, but it's really like a, a main thing that we need front and center in this demo to, to, to showcase that. I think the other one was the, when you mentioned that, is that I, I was thinking about that because I, so I put in the time to work now on we're hiring a marketing manager and I put in a ton of time for that one. It's to tackle the big, to take on a big project or challenge and try to fully solve it rather than constantly throwing band-aids on things. I don't need band-aids, but quick fixes. I had such a payoff from doing, doing it right that that's what I, like July needs to be like, do the demo to the best of my ability. <laughs> Not, and all the, and figure out the right formula for video selling of Wicked Reports. I have three key, we're doing a Wicked verse HubSpot attribution video and another one about e-com lead gen and then another for the demo is just focus on crushing that rather than 85 other things that I like to get caught up doing. <laughs> <laughs> my final question, which is how we end every episode here, fill in the blank, Scott. Entrepreneurship is blank a rewarding grind that will make you grow as a person, whether you want to or not. <laughs> a rewarding grind that'll make you grow as a person, whether you want to or not. I like that. Succinct and also powerful. He is Scott DeGrossier, the CEO and founder of Wicked Reports. Scott, thank you for joining us today on this episode of Startup Hype Man, the podcast. I had a blast, Raj. Thanks for having me. That wraps up today's conversation. Did you like what you heard? Startup Hype Man, the podcast is available on every major platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and more. So be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and leave a rating and review. Do you want to be an upcoming guest on the show? Email media at startuphypeman.com with your idea and my team will review. Our theme song is Change the Game by Jay-Z, all rights owned by Rockefeller and Def Jam Records. And hey, if you want to work together on making your startup story the only one that matters, email me at rajiv at startuphypeman.com. That's R-A-J-I-V at startuphypeman.com. Well, that'll do it for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you to today's guests for joining. You have been checking out Startup Hype Man, the podcast. I'll catch you next week. But in the meantime, word up, raise up.